Hi, I'm Rob Beckett, and I'm the host of the Rural Revitalization Podcast. The Rural Revitalization Network is committed to encouraging pastors, churches, and communities throughout rural America to engage, equip, and empower through local resources to build God's church. Welcome to Episode 5 of Rural Revitalization Podcast. Today's subject is recognizing the need for revitalization. Probably the hardest thing for any of us to do is to look at ourselves and to examine and and realize that we need help. That is one of the toughest things for us as human beings to admit. The same goes for churches that we serve and that we work out of is, you know, guys, we have to look and, and admit that it's the truth. We have at one time or another, when we've looked into a mirror at ourselves and we have sucked in our stomachs because of that sliding over the belt that has been occurring and and we comb just a little bit more hair over that thinning spot on our heads. It is natural for us to want to look better than we actually do. It is no different for churches. Many times when people ask us how many people that come to our church, we would rather give them the total membership number rather than the ones that actually attend our services on Sunday mornings because the numbers look better if we give them a larger number in membership. But for real revitalization to happen, we have to really take a serious look at ourselves. We have to stop sucking in the gut and take an honest look at who we are. Church revitalization starts by seeing what is around us. Do you think that the people that once had a vision of Christ's work on that very spot, do you think about them? Do you ever think about their attitudes, their outlook, their vision that they received from God? And can you picture all the sacrifice and hard work to get them where they're at now? Do you sense the the passion that must have rung out throughout the building at one time? Can you hear the testimonies of salvation and sanctification? that must have been experienced in that place that you're standing now? Or is the only thing that you see is neglect and abandonment? Or do you see anything at all? Traveling on, you know, in these country and back roads uh, that many of our churches are on, we see many sites and many times we see a church that is old and and, uh, falling in, it seems like, and, and the pain is peeling on it. And what are your first thoughts when you see that place? Maybe the sign hasn't been changed in months or even years, or the grass and the weeds aren't, uh, are they're taking over what, which, what used to be a gravel parking lot. And possibly the church hasn't even seen a coat of paint on it for generations. As you drive through the countryside, many times we drive through places that are picturesque and and scenic, but other parts of the community may ca- may not even catch the glimpse of our eyes. And we tend to look away from the broken down stuff or the house with the laundry on the line. There may be an old car in the driveway. And what do you think about the people that live there? Or is it just another place that you pass by? We have to be aware of our surroundings, whether it be uh, the community around us, but even uh, in our churches itself. So how do we see the church that we, we attend or that we're serving in or that we're pastoring 
or maybe you're a leader in that church. And what do you see when you drive by a boarded up church? Many times we've become so familiar with our surroundings that we are blind to the community that is around us. Do we see a church that died because it was stuck in tradition or legalism? Do you become sad or or knowing that it represents a light on a hill that, that has become darkened? When you pass a small church on the side of the street or in a small town, do you see a vital part of the faith community providing a witness of the gospel to the neighbors around them? Or do you see a church that drains resources and should be closed so that the resources could be utilized better elsewhere? There's many people that believe that that's the case, that they see the small rural churches, uh, these older churches, they saw, see them as a place for that money just gets sucked in and, and there's not even uh, worth the effort uh, to put into that. But I don't believe that's the case. Small rural churches are vital to the work of the kingdom. Over seven out of 10 churches have less than 100 people in attendance any given Sunday. They are small and many times neglected. But how do you see your church that you lead? Do you see a congregation that is getting older or smaller in size without any new families coming in? Do you see a church that holds its breath each Sunday when the offering is taken to see if you have enough to even keep the lights on? Or do you see a church that is just hanging on by the last thread? It is how we see and respond to these questions which determines and dictates our actions in our church. If you say your church is dying and hopeless, then the chances are that your church is not likely or very improbably of ever turning around and being anything other than what it is right now. If our thoughts and our actions are, are always reactions of despair, gloom, and desperation, then our actions are directed to what? That rather than to life-giving ministry. We have to change our focus. We have to change our perspective of what our church is. Our church is an uh, intricate part of our community if we would just recognize it and see it as it is and what God intends for it to be. Remember, for resources and the latest downloads, you can go to our new updated website, which is ruralrevitalization.net. And you can also go and join our Facebook page, Rural Revitalization Network, with other pastors and other leaders. Go to Rural Revitalization Network. How do you see the community that you live in? Some see rural America as a place to retreat from the noise and the confusion of city life. It's a place to relax and enjoy rec recreational activities. Others see rural America as a decaying and dying landscape where people are stuck in the past and, uh, as, and they're as run down as the old homes and the churches that dot the landscape. Still others see rural people as closed-minded bigots who uh, reject modern society and uh, permeate long-standing racial and economic biases. We can become so familiar and so comfortable with our surroundings that we become blind to the very community that we live in. The rural community, uh, statistics have shown, studies have shown, that the rural community is becoming more diverse, uh, more diverse in, in race, in age, in uh, education, and, and all these things uh, as much as cities are. 
And that number and that diversity is growing each and every day. So the question is, what do you see? Christ sees people who are without a shepherd. To him, these communities represent individuals who have been devastated by the ravages effects of sin and an in desperate need of the gospel. Too often when driving through the countryside of rural communities, we fail to see like Jesus sees. Rural America is rapidly becoming a spiritual wasteland where churches are being closed because they are overlooked and cast aside by the larger church community as a place deemed too insignificant or unworthy of our attention. Rural America is quickly becoming uh, the new ghetto with persistent poverty, drug use among young people and crime, all of which are becoming widespread problems. We also see incredible long-standing and increased racial tensions. As people move in to the rural areas, these tensions rise because uh, of, uh, the ones moving in uh, are unfamiliar uh, with, the, with the ways and the customs and, and the, uh, how the rural lifestyle is. And the ones that are in the rural lifestyle, these newcomers or these immigrants from the cities are coming to their area, invading their space. But we need to uh, see uh, that we are a multicultural, multi-generational um, people uh, in our church, but also in our community. And when we see the true spiritual condition of rural America, we simply cannot ignore it. We need to ask why. And what would Christ have us to do to help? To see with the eyes of Christ is to see rural people who are distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. How do you see ourselves in ministry opportunities? How, how do we see ourselves working in the community? When we see the true spiritual condition of rural America, we simply cannot ignore it. We need to ask why. What role does the church I lead play in this? And what would Christ have us to do to help? To see with the eyes of Christ is to see uh, who is distressed and dispirited like the sheep without a shepherd. But before we can see what is around us, we must first recognize who we are as a church in Christ, in the community that we are living in right now. Let me tell you about our new webpage, Rural Revitalization Network. You will find announcements of upcoming in-person events and online seminars that you will be able to register and attend. Under resources, you'll find our recommended books to help you to navigate uncharted territory and ministry for small and rural churches, assessment tools for pastors and leadership, church, and even communities, and also our podcasts and our blog articles that will come out every week that you'll be able to go and archive to go back and see what we have posted in the past. Also, there is a donate button that you can go on and help support this effort so that we can carry this message to other churches and other pastors. So check it out, ruralrevitalization.net. That is ruralrevitalization.net. Being the church that God intends for us to be, Ephesians Chapter 1, verses 15 through 23 says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
may give to you the spirit of wisdom and uh, revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty work, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul is talking to a church that has it all, but are living as if they have nothing. They have everything going for them, but are short-sighted on the potential they possess. Paul wrote to them to encourage them to walk in the light of Christ and to draw upon the marvelous riches that were available to them through Christ. He wanted them to draw from the spiritual bank account that they had access to and all the rights to, which is uh, adoption and acceptance and redemption and, and forgiveness and wisdom and inheritance, the seal of the Holy Spirit, life, grace, and citizenship. In short, Paul was telling them that you have every spiritual blessing that is needed for living the full life in Christ and in the world. Our churches are the same way. We, as a church, as a church body, need to be living in the fullness of Christ and fulfilling our mission, our commission that he has given to us. This letter to the Ephesians is more than a way of life for individuals, but for the church also. The question could be asked, where does your hope lie? What is your source and our provision for living the Christian life? The foundation of the church has been and will continue to be laid with, the Christ, with Christ as the cornerstone. Everything is measured and built upon and trusted in this stone. This is a tremendous foundation in terms of the believer's position, understanding who we are in Christ and understanding the greatness of our resources in Christ. This prayer in Ephesians 1 is a prayer that God would enable the believer to see and understand the resources that are available in Christ, but not only the individuals, but the church as a whole. That seems to be a basic and foundational reality, but it's lost uh, to so many people in so many churches today. I don't think many people understand what it really is to be fully in Christ and Christ fully in you. If we would really understand then we would be maturing and cultivating our relationship with him even more closely, giving more and more attention to that end. We would be drawing closer, pulling ourselves up close, and looking for opportunities to be in the presence of God. The problem the Ephesian church had in Revelation 2 is the same problem that many churches that are experiencing decline and the slow death is that they are no longer possess that first love. Say that to a congregation and I guarantee you that the response will be swift and firm, not us. But the sad reality for so many is denial of their coldness and lack of God's spirit in their services or their devotion time. Where has the fire gone? My mind's eye imagines of a drifting away, 
of distancing ourselves away from the Savior, away from our source. Relationships weaken, relationships weaken with time and distance, and it is no different in our relationships with the Lord. The letter lends itself to the fact that the Ephesians were not living up to the fullness that God provided. They were living as if being a follower of Christ was not enough for salvation, that there was more of Christ that had to be obtained and struggled for, that you had to do this to get it all. They also were hanging on to the old ways and the old life. The need for more comes not from God to you, but from you to God. We got all that God had to offer when we accepted Christ as our Savior, and when the blood was applied to our sins, our spiritual bank was filled up to the fullest point that it could be deposited into. God bankrupt heaven to deposit into our account. Paul talks about this importance and commands uh, to walk in the Spirit of God. In Romans 1-5 through it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The main point in Ephesians is the concept and the term in Christ. It is in Christ that we as individuals and especially the church are transformed into the image of Christ and heirs to God. In chapter 1, Paul writes that we are chosen by the Father, that we are redeemed by the Son, and that we are sealed by the Spirit. Paul knew the importance of walking in the hope, riches, and the power of God. That is why he prayed this first prayer. This prayer was prayed with precision and with purpose, that we uh, comprehend our hope, that we comprehend our riches, that we would comprehend his power that we comprehend our responsibility. This is the thrust or communication of the, uh, the combination of the prayer, that we as a church would live out loud as a body of Christ in our communities and our homes, that we would live it out in front of everyone that sees and comes in contact with us, that we would live the life of Christ to the world around us in a way that people would think and say there is something different about that church and its people. That our lights would shine in such a way that is unmistakable to others. Jesus is head over all things to the church, which is his body, his eyes, his ears, his hands, and especially his heart. The fullness of him, the completeness, the attitudes, the character, and the likeness, who feels all in all everything he is, his presence, his compassion, his heart. We are the reflection of him. A Christian must be a sign of contradiction in the world. A Christian is one 
who all his life chooses between good and evil, lies and truth, love and hate, God and Satan. Today, more than ever, there is a need for our light to shine so that through us, through our deeds, through our choices, people can see the Father who is in heaven. The holiest moment of the church service is the moment when God's people, strengthened by the preaching and sacraments, go out of the church door into the world to be the church. We must go, we don't go, sorry, we don't go to church, we are the church. Recognizing who we are as a church and that anything different than what God says we are is missing the mark. Then we are in need of revitalization and renewal. And we need to recognize who we are and what we are and if we are not measuring up, if we are not reflecting uh, the, the King that we serve, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and if we do not look like Him as a church, then we need to recognize that we are in need of revitalization. That is one of the hardest things to do, is to admit that we have need. But the first steps, when, when uh, God said, if my people um, who are called by my name would pray and humble themselves. This is part of the humbling of ourselves, recognizing that we need revitalization, that we can't do it ourselves. That is obvious that the programs and the way we have done church, uh, if we are plateauing and declining, that the way we have been doing church is not working, that we're headed the wrong, wrong direction, that we are not uh, fulfilling and doing what God calls us to do. And we need to be crying out to God to help us to revive us, uh, to for our church to have revitalization so that we can get back on course of what he has called us to do. Every single church, uh, I believe that God has a purpose and, and a, a mission in the, in the place that they're at. Uh, like we had talked about earlier, there is no mistake that the place that you're standing in right now, that God had had that place planted for a purpose and you still have that same purpose today uh, if not even more than when that church was planted originally so pray to god and recognize the fact and repent and and let god change our direction change our minds change everything in us to look more like his son we thank you today for being with us and i hope this has encouraged you i hope this has helped you um, and it will do it will do tremendous amount of help in us if we would just call on God, recognizing Him as our only source and our only Lord and Savior and our King. Amen.